1: Well, good, good morning everyone, or oh, good afternoon as the case may be, it's just after nine o'clock for us here in the studios in Collingwood, Melbourne, Victoria, remember when you were a kid and you said the galaxy, the universe, yes, well, all, all of that, but it's time for Left After Breakfast, here on 3CR, your only radio left, Susanna with you again, joined by my Co-host Glenn, our resident historian.
0: Yep, it's the co-host and co-host. G'day from Glenn. Hello, listeners. Once again, we're back here at three CR, your only community radio, your only radio left, actually. Yes, left. That's us. Now, um, yeah, I've been noticing lately in the on the in the media, uh, the Abbott government's trying to um, what are they trying to? do? They're trying to sort out the lifestyle choices of Indigenous people in Western Australia, in those areas. Uh, Isn't that the euphemism? Lifestyle choices?
1: No, it is a carefully. It's not a euphemism for anything. Isn't it? It it, is a made up phrase, lifestyle choice. It's been made up in the last few years, and it's always made up by patronising white bastards. Oh, look up. I'm sorry. It's always made up by a particular group of people who are in power. A particular group of white bastards. Uh, Yes. Well, sorry, listener, for being vulgar in my speech, but I'm sure you know exactly what I mean.
0: Lifestyle choice, what... Well, it's about taking people off their land, where their mob's been for thousands of years. They're saying, look, you know, you can't live here because um it's a lifestyle choice. And anyway, there might be minerals in this land. There might be oil or box oil. Someone kind of else's minions. lifestyle choice. Yeah, like Gina's lifestyle choice. So a closing down these communities. They're forced people off their land. and um, There's been a lot of resistance. There's been some big demos around Australia. I uh, was there's a big demo later today, but my mind's flicked back from back to the early 80s, back to the late 70s when I was a kid, about a place called Nunkanbar. Oh, yes, Nunkanbar. Nunkanbar. Nunkanbar, yeah. I was at high school. was <laughs> how long ago it
1: was. Can anyone remember that? Is anyone else there can re- remember that? Nunkanbar. It's very... Yes, it took me a while to actually wake up
0: to what was happening there at Nunukambah. Oh, it's about—it's <laughs> not too dissimilar what's happening nowadays. Where big but corporations was, want land, which hmm. has been in other people's hands for forty plus thousand years, and well, there's, if you, a, there's money there, if uh, you know, if, if if
1: you can recall, listener, give us a ring and let us know. We've, I'd love to hear it.
0: Nukunbu was up there. It's in the um, in the Kimberley region, northwestern Australia. It's sort of heading towards Broome, and WA is a big state. And WA is bigger than most of Australia. It's but bigger is, than most of Europe, isn't it's it's it? It's also very. Oh, look, I'll I'll not mince my words. It's a very reactionary state too. There's been a long history of um yeah reaction, very extreme, rotting politics there. And even you go back to something that's generally as agreeable as federation, you know, the colonies became one colony a century plus ago. WA Draeba Heels. Well they didn't want to be part of the rest of Australia.
1: No, they, st- they still they want don't want to be part of Western Australia. They mind still don't. you before we Mind's go- a word. Mind you mind, yes. Before we go on and insult and offend too many people from Western Australia or with friends, relatives and loved ones in Western Australia. Mm-hmm. No offence to the people Western Australia. It's not them. We know it's not them.
0: It's the fat bastards running it. But there, there is a culture there. There's a culture there. Between, it's a very racist culture. Yeah, it tends it's a very, towards um, that culture, it? culture. It's getting, isolation. That's what it is. Getting back to the late seventies, Ngunnawal was up in the Kimberley region, and um, we saw after World War Two. There's a big, uh, the big Pilbara strike in 1946. We saw up in uh, the Gurindji people up in the NT walk off at Wave Hill in the late 60s. Oh, Wave Hill. Oh, and we saw yes. these, these big gains. The, from,
1: that, that was a lovely supermarket shopping days, but that's another yeah. story.
0: Well, we saw the Indigenous people get some sort of gains, and they're being paid wages now. We're paying just that's flare right. and tea, but and, I, backy, yeah. and backy, blankets, and backy. So it's created a sense of confidence in those communities, and we saw the 70s. We saw a great for the land rights movement. We saw Mr. Whitlam make some uh, positive statements and actions about land rights, and it created a sense of, um, I suppose, optimism in these communities. And the mob, it's, it's, it's a tongue twister. They are, I'll call them a younger Nora mob. Oh, well, yeah. well I, I know me Yorta Yortas, me, me Waradjuris, and me Bungalangs, no, but mm. some mobs are different. To, are hard to say. And younger Nora mob at Nukambar. And they, um, they have been forced off their land by the should be <laughs> cattle barons, and they've been living all over the place, in reservations, whatever else. And they decided in the mid-70s to come back and reclaim the land which had been their, their birthright for thousands of years. And back in uh, 1976, uh, there was land at Nukambar advertised for sale. And the local land trust commission brought it for you, well, the Aboriginal land trust commission brought the land for these people, buying their own land back, and they moved in. They started, you know, building their own communities, lifestyle choices, yeah. and um, all of a sudden, middle of 19, middle of nineteen seventy eight, they got a letter from a big corporation called Amex saying, um, oh, "Hang on, we think there might be some, um, there might be some valuable resources under the soil, and we'd like to come in, um, have a look." And they dubbed mining companies before. I thought, no, no, this isn't this isn't good enough, you know. This is our land, this is our sacred site, you know. You don't kinda hear the full the small place. And who was the premier dub at the time? A man called Charles Court. Ah. Uh-huh. A man well you could almost say he was the writer Jobielki, I mean I that's possible. they were just peas and a pod, it's two very reactionary men caught in Belky-Peterson. And when it came to indigenous issues, they had no time for this sort of you know. This was about land for the miners. So in the late 70s, there was a big campaign to mine this land. And um, there was opposition from the local communities. There was rallies organized. There was activities organized for local churches and the local union movement. The ACT under Mr. Hawke took a stand on it. Remember mm-hmm. Mr. Hawke? Yes, I do. Now his son Stephen Hawke was an advisor to these people. He was working yes. on the reservations up there. Anyway, it, was sort of, it sort of simmered along for a while, and there was an election in brewing, brewing WA. So Mr. Court backed off for a while. Thought, okay, let's let's set the ground. You know, let's let's go very quiet. Let's not rock the boat to upset the uh, the southerners. And after the election, Mr. Court said, No, no, we need to mine very soon. We need this land. Let us in. And they said, No, this is our land. We're not giving you our land. And uh, they sought support, there was big rallies in Perth and in Broome, and uh, the ACTU took a stand also, and Western Australian unions, they said, no, we'll black ban this site, it can't go ahead, you know, and there was lots of argy barges, there was court cases, there was injunctions, but eventually Mr Court decided he'd um, hit up the ante, so in what month was it, was it 1980? it was back in, was it March, here we go Glenn, in April nineteen eighty. August. I'll lose my months. Well,
1: when you get old, Susan, in you lose April, things. In April nineteen
0: eighty. But I moved from April to August, and it wasn't an a word; it was August. Mister Court decided. Okay, there's an ACT bail on the slide. What can we do? Okay, we're going to organise a a convoy of trucks, which will be only drivers and farmers, and they're going to drive all of this drilling equipment from Perth up to Bar. Six days driving. We'll give them false number plates, police helicopters, police cars, and we'll drive across. And balaclavas. No, but I just had false number plates, cars, oh. helicopters, and, you know,
1: as you, as you did. I just assumed, I thought, once again, someone are making money out of making balaclavas, but
0: go on. Well, they moved up this mine equipment all the way along the WA coast, and there was demos all the way. There were stoppages, union officials, workers, clergy, protested. So what did Mr Court do? he arrested him and jailed him and I remember as a kid at high school hearing okay well, was it they were jailed Laurie Carmichael was jailed and he was talking about know, big strikes all over Australia if Carmack was jailed well he was jailed yes <laughs> there wasn't a the big strikes Today's was a big strike of Clary O'Shea. but um yeah there was jailing union officials from of unions the metals the TWU and even the AWU Australia's weakest union Australia's worst union took action on the drilling campaign and as they got closer and closer to Newcombe, the local community took further action. They blocked the bridges. They used their own vehicles to block the bridges. saying, so as they say, our land, you can't come in here. Well, eventually the police bulldozed through the local communities. They arrested not just those union officials, but locals. They arrested the priests also. And they finally got onto the soil. And they needed a drilling crew. And the, uh, the workers met. And they were all AOW members. They said, no, no, it's a black man. We can't drill. You can't, you can't drill. Hang on, this isn't good enough. Mr. Court, Mr. Court's ministers, the heads of Amex met the the drilling crew. They said, "No, we're not going to drill." So what did they do? How can we sneakily get away around it? A bit of a standoff. And there's a rodeo nearby. Hang on it. just mm. hang on. So we've got yep. as far as this. Let, let me just run
1: this through yep. my head again. Yep. Okay. So there's big mining companies. They want to come in and get Amex. Amex. They want to get this land. Yep. And they've, said, they've been told no. Okay. Correct. So, but of course, the right wing premier at that yep. time, extreme right wing premier yep. at that time, had this idea of having like a convoy of trucks Correct. of owner drivers with false number plates, or trucks with false number Correct. plates. Taking all the bits of the drilling equipment up to the land, and all along the way there, they were stopped or yep. tried to be stopped, blockaded yep. by various groups from the community. Yep. But they got all the way to the land, and after bulldozing through these barricades yep. built of people's own cards, they got in there. That to be told by the drilling crew that they weren't going to drill. Correct.
0: We're so members of the fire. union. We're not going to
1: drill. So okay. So what happened then? What did they do? Look, I.
0: Can't really remember. Well, the, I should. The drilling contractor was from CSR. They had, the, they had the lease. So what did Mr. Court do? He got legal advice to set up a um, a $2 shelf company and transfer the contract from CSR to the shelf company. Oh yes. And also, now divide and conquer is a great trick. They managed to win over a, a respected older a fellow called... Ken Colbung, the chief of the Aboriginal Land Trust, he said, oh, look, you know, oh, there's money for our people. Let, yeah, bugger it. Let them come in mine. And well, they said, no, you might be head of a land trust, but it's our land. And- so it was divided and concomitant the community, and there was a day where there was a big rodeo nearby and a lot of the local men with the Rodeo. A Rodeo. I'm, i call them <laughs> well, <laughs> Rodeo. Rodeo, that, Rodeo. That,
1: that's what I was trying to work mm.
0: out what it was. It's a Rodeo.
1: So I was brought up on the Mickey Mouse Club, and that was joined the talent ro- Rodeo. I used to drive one. It was but a Rodeo. Because Spani- it's a Spanish Rodeo, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. Ameri- it's Americanism. Americanism. It? Well, oh, I drove like, a Rodeo. But sorry, mm. there was a nearby Rodeo yep. or Rodeo. At Fitzroy
0: Crossing. At Fitzroy Crossing. Yep. Gosh. And what happened is... They, they realised they got window employers and the, the government, and as the local blokes were off at the Rodeo, they flew a scab crew in to drill for oil on the soil at Nukembar, on the sacred land. And guess how much oil they found? How much oil was found on the sacred um, site? What, what, what are you going to tell me? No, you, you guess, my dear, and I'll tell you. I don't want to guess. They found no oil. No oil. They, they destroyed this area. They invade this community. They arrested people. And what did they find? They found nothing. They found absolutely Well, was, right, yeah. Um... So what happened with the people who were arrested? Uh, with what were they charged? Oh look, I can't recall so obstruction besetting those sort of charges, you know, oh. public nuisance, you know. Oh,
1: and then the other stuff with it, you know, sort of like you know, sort of like the trifecta, you know, yeah, yeah. assault, you know, when you're, offensive, yeah. your head, the policeman's yeah. boot, offensive, yeah,
0: damaging the boot, Assaults,
1: your face, you know, the assault of a police officer, yes.
2: So
0: they had all these people arrested. They, they broke into his community. They drilled in his sacred sites, and they found nothing. Live, Absolutely bomb. nothing. And anyway, but this nuke and was important in the land rights campaign. Look, it mightn't have been the great victory, say, of the um, 1946 strike at the Kimberleys or the Gringy People Walk-Off, but it also crystallised opinion. It drew people's attention to the archaic governments of Australia with their lack of respect for the original owners. And um yeah, Nukembar helped further expedite, further spread the process towards the Mar and towards the destruction of the horrible idea of terra nullius, yeah. Which was a legal doctrine for over two centuries here. It's still there, isn't it? It hasn't been changed. It possibly hasn't been changed. Look it's not look, it's probably like the conscription legislation. It's never been annulled but it hasn't been used for a long time. Which doesn't mean some I won't try to bring it out again. And there's plenty of um rednecks in WA and in the federal parliament as well. Yeah, some really backward thinkers there, my dear. There's yeah. some really unpleasant people. But Nugamba, look, in many ways it was a pff, it could be it says a pure victory for both sides. Our side lost in the context, but they broke the river community, they broke the blockades and they and they, they, they drilled, but it also rose your understanding of your issues, and they yes. so lost it, they couldn't find anything. What was the purpose of, you know, Craig, all this to discover nothing? Yes, well, it was that time I was
1: a um, a slow learner, I suppose, but it was at the time of non-compared that I actually looked at it, I actually thought about it, and I thought, you know, what the hell are we doing, or why, how can I get away with it when it hadn't occurred to me to think, well, I'd never thought about it before. I hmm. wasn't concerned with issues or anything, you know, like, you know, some sort of local news so far away from me, from my cosy little life in Melbourne. Mm. Just seemed, you know, oh, yes, I'm on their side, whatever it was, but I had no idea what it was. Well, until, so that's what Luke and have done. I'm sure there are mm.
0: people my age as well who may have just woken up then. I'm five or six years younger than you, and I was at high school in those days. I do recall reading the papers and hearing stuff on TV. And again, the TV coverage in those days on the papers was probably as good, as bad as it is nowadays. And but, um, it was a learning curve. And it was probably the first real major... Uh, conflict or clash over Indigenous issues, but I can recall. I mean, I, I do have memories of the embassies at Canberra, but they weren't as suppose, prominent in the public sphere as Nuncan Bar. And it was really a galvanising point. And, again, and I said to you at the start of the sh- session, my dear, about what's happening in w one the removal of communities in their land, because it's a lifestyle choice. You're going to take them off the land. Mr. Kenneth's son. No, Mr. Kenneth is better. Mr. Abbott's son. And who's the... um WA Premier, Mister, what's his name again, Mr. Barnett, whatever his name is. So, yeah, there's a long sort of history in WA of sort of racist attitudes towards their own people. And um, as a response to his attitudes, as I was saying, had lots of rallies recently. And I believe it's another rally tonight about, you know, protecting these communities. I'm told it's 4 p.m. on the steps of Flinders Street Station. So come along raise your voice and angers to say no in forced closure communities. No, no to Mr. Abbott, Mr. Barnett's laws no. and support the right of these people to live where fat, their mobs has been for 40,000 years. Like, goodness me, you know? Yes, goodness me. Don't take me. your land away. I mean, and again, it's all sub-diffusion. Mean, it's a lifestyle choice. That's, just, that's, that's like the... um. <laughs> was it horrible slogan about the gates? Of, was it Alstorch or Balson? Arbic uh, Nick Work makes you free? yeah. You know, again, you you don't judge what people say. You judge why they say it. And in the history of WA, I do not have any readings of any great progressive actions on behalf of the original owners. Mm. I know I'm a bit of a anti-WA (laughs) Wavelength for smaller page. It is, but, um, but I just can't find much. I often think W.A. Queensland is sort of backwater-stated. Queensland had many of a CPA poly, and Queensland have some rugged ALP polys 100 years ago. But what W.A. Look, had? Well, you're the historian here. Kevin.
1: I know, and I'm struggling. His and her historian, and am struggling our story. But I tend to look at it in the last, say, five, six, years, even 10 years, really, I look at who populated, which Europeans oh, yeah. populated what state, oh, yeah. <laughs> and I have a look and I think, gee, those people over the West, they're like from another world to me, yeah, to my, my uh, forebears. Yeah. It's like they truly are on another world.
0: There's a lot of Kiwis here, which is interesting, because, I mean, it's so which far. Which ones? They're Pakias, uh, and also Maori's too. I've got, I mean, my Marianne has family over there, so it's mixed there's different fruits of Kiwis. Do you
1: think of the people who, uh, you know, those Europeans who settle in New Zealand, you'll find a lot of doer people from the border marches mm-hmm. along there, the top um, of England and Scotland? Well,
0: as well as the, the Kiwis in in WA and Perth, there's a lot of Yarpies.
1: Yappies.
0: And a lot of British too. Yappies. Yappies. Are you white South Africans. Because Perth was the closest white town to South Africa when they flew out in the nineties ah, from um, Durban and Joburg to uh, escape the um, the change of the change but, the changes the, the, the post-apartheid South Africa the changes. Where yeah. was a safe place to go? Oh, Western Australia, a very white place, and it's got some really good, rotten governments.
1: And they and we could get a job there, but quite a lot of them came over, but earlier
0: even than them. Yeah, but it certainly wasn't in flux from the mid-90s. And I suppose Zimbabwe too, Zimbabwe. No, but they, before that, there were,
1: no, it's a soldier's settlement. Perth was?
0: When? There's well, there a was, lot of th- soldier's As the
1: European sort of population got there, it was mainly, it was, all, it was a soldier's town.
0: It well, in the 1960s, it was the last penal station in Australia, it was at Fremantle. And we never could tell story because mm. um, they closed the penal stations in New South Wales, Port Phillip, and Van Diemen's Land by the 1850s. Morton Bay was closed to I'm pretty sure, it was
1: earlier. God, you'd be in bad luck ending up 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 in the clink in Western Australia, wouldn't you? Or where right? was the...
0: Pl- I'd rather be the down
1: here. Oh, yeah, but you'd, that'd be... But they escaped. Your, your bad luck to get there the day after they escaped.
0: I'm yeah. not sure when they closed the penal colony in in Fremantle look we've been to Perth a few times for obvious reasons and um, there's some nice spots in Perth I mean, some lovely spots in Perth but I'd I the attitude of the rulers of Western Australia is never been has never been the most uh, endearing to many Australians and as I said they do see themselves as quite a different part of the world to the rest of Australia yes Another world. They are. But they're just um, different. But anyway, Noongar. We need to think about Noongar and what's happening now in these communities. So, do yourselves a favour. Pop down the suburb on the steps of the street at four pm and say no to enforced closure of these communities.
1: So four o'clock under the clocks.
0: That's the one. That we can be. still
1: keep saying under the clocks. That Me too. Like, under the clocks.
0: Like a wedding's party, anything song. Uh Yes, it Weddings was. Weddings were some of that, yeah. Yes, it
1: was. But so it was, too. You you thought of that well before I could ever well, remember. Mick, I, it. You
0: see Mick Thomas occasionally. I saw Mick Thomas in the Chico a while ago. He gets around. And Mick has the licence at the Yarra Falls Hotel in uh, in Johnson Street. Where the hell's the Yarra Falls? I, I, I was called, I, it's the Yarra. It was called the Falls when I was young. It's it's the Yarra. It's in, Where's the Yarra? It's the one across in Big Park. It's in Johnson Street. I think you might have had a birthday here one year, my dear. Oh,
1: well. I, I, oh, it doesn't matter. I, I'm sure I know which one it is. <laughs> it was, look, it's, oh, to, yes, I Lisa think I've been here twice
0: in my life, and it's the name has been interchangeable in Pebble's conversation. It's the Yarra or it's the Falls. That was when
1: I did have a, salad, a bit of a birthday afternoon, a little you know tea and cakes and a oh, beer not, or two. Scones and cream. Um With Lisa, of course. Yep. But that was when, what's his name from the... Union? The TWU bloke? <laughs> yes, yes I, I was there. From the Transport Workers Union. A yes, and he it, it got God. this little pub oh, and we went God. there sort of like to support a comrade, as it were. You're well,
0: talking late '90s. And I can't like, like,
1: think of his name. But anyway...
0: The bagman would know. The bagman he well, had links to that organisation, didn't he? Oh yes, of course. The bagman had links to the T.W.U. So he would not know who had the Yarra Hotel before Mick Thomas and weddings had the Yarra Hotel. Right. Thank you
1: very much for that. Hmm. Thank you very much for that. Yes. Ah. I just it's going through my head now. That song, I wish I hadn't even mentioned it. But what you did mention mm-hmm. that I really wish you hadn't mentioned, mm-hmm. Len, was once again a chilling reference to a law that is still on our books and it's called besetting, cons-
0: it's called conscription. Oh, it hasn't been revoked, as it was used by Menzies and uh, and uh, who fought Menzies? Um, Harold Holt, it was used by. John Gorton, and it was used by Billy McMahon. And Whitlam came in, but to my knowledge, the laws, the National Service Act and related legislation has never been repealed. The National Service Act. Yeah, but NSA was brought in in 1964, which is based on a series of legislation, but um, NSA, to my comprehension, has never been repealed. And as we know, in World War One, twice... Not just once, but twice the government of uh, Billy Hughes sought to bring in conscription for overseas service. And what did Australians say? They said no. Both times. Twice, no. Very clearly. And we were one of the few nations in world war one with a volunteer army. Mm -hmm. Those men, for whatever reason, chose to go fight and die. Yeah. I mean, the Kiwis, the, the Poms, the Septics, they conscripted their own men. And we, we brought in conscription in World War II, Curtin brought in for service in the Australian territories, which was um, PNG and the Solomon Islands. Yeah, did he? Yeah, I'm pretty sure Curtin brought in in, in the early 40s. But it wasn't for service in the Middle East. It was just, oh, I, I could be wrong. I need to qualify myself. But the three occurrences where conscription raised its head were World War I, the Vietnam War and World War Two might have been used for local activities. It wasn't used in Korea, that's for sure. Yeah, I need to do some homework on conscription in World War II.
1: On Vietnam, in
0: Vietnam. And it was never appealed. And we're now as brave men. And we weren't at war. No.
1: and we and That's the point. We were not at war with Vietnam. Were we at war with Iraq? I mean, no, no, but we hmm. weren't. We were I never know. at war with Vietnam. Nor- and hmm. they're using... Wartime. Service Acts. Wartime legislation. Which didn't work in World War I when they were bombarded with
0: propaganda about it. And yes. And it it didn't work well in the 60s. Look, I can't recall how many young men finally conscripted and served, but lots of young men said, no, you know, your Bob Skates's, your Simon Townsends, your Colin Watsons, your your Michael Hamill Greens, your Tony Daltons. And there's so many more that, that don't come to mind automatically. Errol Helsingens, are like, no, we're not going to fight your dirty imperialist war. And they didn't fight it. Yeah, because you know? it wasn't
1: even our dirty imperialist war. It was someone else's dirty imperialist well, war. As, as, we as, we as, as, just, as is Iraq we and
0: Afghanistan. Just,
1: <laughs> we were just helping them, but we're not actually at war with these countries. No. Probably the only country that we're at war with is um, Norway.
0: Why is that? Please tell me, my dear.
1: When we when our troops when we invaded the sovereign territory of Norway. When? Where? On the ship in, you know, neutral waters outside of Australia. Oh the um mm. Captain by um yeah. Arnie Peterson Peterson. Oh why
0: was it called again?
1: That ship. Yeah, the one where they Where they m- saw Mr. Mr Magood gave orders to invade the boat. The, he they saw he's the captain of the ship. They saw uh, a problem there was something had happened and there were people in the water and wreckage of a boat. What did he do? Tampa. He followed the laws of the sea. Yeah. He followed the laws of the sea and stopped and picked up all the, you know, sort of people who were still in the water, yeah. all the survivors took careful note, logged it, radioed, etc. And before he could turn around he had Australian troops landing on his fore deck, on his poop deck, on his mizzen deck, on wherever the hell they have decks on these big ships. And yeah, the, that's an act of war.
0: It was a tamper, wasn't they forcibly board. I'm pretty sure it was a tamper. It was about October two thousand and one, my dear. And as Mr Howe said, we'll choose who comes here.
1: Please don't do he that. He did
0: too. he did that. He was quite determined to show Australia was a strong nation. Once again,
1: this is a, what an arsehole of a statement. I'm sorry, what a dreadfully what a pathetic statement. What a statement well, aimed at well, kicking people's well, emotions. We will choose wait, who m- comes m- here. Mr. We Abbott's,
0: didn't choose you. Mr Abbott, well, <laughs> me indeed. Mr Abbott's says we'll choose who comes here. But we have a new, a new agreement, the TPP, the Trans Partnership. Which means we
1: can't.
0: Which means we can't choose which laws come here. We can't choose which big companies have laws ruling over us here. So we can choose if you're if you're being murdered in your home country and you're fleeing for safety, we can say no, no, you can't come here. We don't want you here. But if you're a big country, big company who makes millions. I want men to have a We can't say, don't come here or follow our laws. So be aware, listeners, of a TPP, the Trans Pacific Partnership. So, yes. And that's me on the soapbox. Pretty in the bag man's here. I'll go send listeners. But don't forget, 3CR is your only radio left. And if you want to support us, the best way is by being a listener sponsor. How hey, can you do that? You can phone us here, 94198377. And until I return next Friday, I'll say in the words of my four beers. Who I'm weren't from, from Western Australia? No, they were from, from Tipperary and from Cork. Chocula. Chocula.
2: going back home Right now while the mango's are right Friend, your penny's starting to bloom, And them blue bones starting to bite Hey mom, I can just taste your fish, soup and rice I'm coming back home to you Connect the pace of the city life. Sooner be dreaming in improve Heading out to blackberry tree now. Hey, the dusty mud stuck in our head My we Harry got but if well, well, she really don't care. Hey, Mom, I can just taste your fish soup and rice. I'm coming back home to you. Connect the pace of the city life. Sooner be dreaming and brewing. Lazy breeze blowing through your mind. Sky blue seas, can't you feed there any time? The luggers are in on the springtime, and the gambling house is back. And I heal Mukan sit on a lot of you we gotta put in front And then we are gonna rag a little John tonight Make the sing with the moon Connect the pace of the city life Sooner be dreaming. and So I feel like going back home Right now while the garbage is right. The jiggle tree's starting to bloom And them gidders starting to bite Mom, I can just taste your fish of the rice I'm coming back home to you Gone at the pace of the city life Sooner be dreaming and grown Sooner be dreaming and grown Sooner be dreaming and Rome
1: Sound nice and chirpy. I've never been to Broome. Have you been to Broome, mate? No,
3: never been there, Susan. No intention of going there. No intention no. of going there. Absolutely not. I could go around Europe uh, for the same price uh, as a airfare up to Broome. So why oh, would well, yeah. I want to go? What's that's there? True.
1: Oh, that's true. I suppose. I thought you know. After you might have heard Glenn's rampage against Western Australia. No, I Brilliant. heard
3: Gwyn mention me in dispatches when I was on the motorbike uh, coming down the freeway this morning with the Harley throbbing beneath my legs. I thought of you when I was on the motorbike.
1: Yeah. I thought
3: of you. And I thought of 3CR only because I'd left me gloves here last week and I was freezing.
1: Right. Mm. All right.
3: That caught you off guard, <laughs> yes, didn't it? it
1: did. I was <laughs> <hard>. <laughs> really that.
3: Mm. <clears throat> I tell you what, Susan, if ever there was an industry fraught with a raft of illeg- illegality such as the non-payment of legal wages and conditions, it's the hotel, restaurant and catering industry, mm. a major drawcard of tourism ..here in Victoria. Now, the confected hysteria now being generated by the industry regarding penalty rates is just that. So if you're listing Kate Carnell... The Australian Chamber of Commerce and Industry confected hysteria because after 10 years of representing workers in this, in this industry I have yet to find one mired with as many illegal activities than this the non-payment of legal wages non-payment of penalty rates no superannuation or work cover are just some of the entitlements being stolen from honest workers Workers are forced to accept cash-in-hand payments, well below the legal requirements. Others are expected to work unfriendly hours without any compensation. Now, the old hoary argument, should employees challenge their pay and conditions, they are reminded of the growing number of unemployed Waiting to take their job, yes. even, even on the low wages paid in this industry. Now, if employers are paying cash in hand below the legal rate, then employees, through no fault of their own, are just adding to the black economy. If people want services, you know, this as well as I do, Susan, yeah. you got to pay your tax. Many young people, unaware of their rights and positions as trainees, but are cut off or put off after two or three weeks without any pay at all. Now, that's criminal. Unfair dismissals are exceptionally common and without union representation. They'll continue to rise. Some are expected to work on slave wages on 457 visas. And have I got a story for you coming up, Susan. My advice to Kate Carnell and the rest of the employers now advocating for the removal of penalty rates is: make sure you pay them first, Kate, in the first place before advocating for their removal. I tell you what, there's a shocker coming up, Susan. I've just got, got to catch me breath. So oh, yeah, continue the talk while I under, catch
1: me what, breath. This has been this is an old old story from the hotel and restaurants. <clears throat> whatever they what are they called again?
3: Hotel, restaurants, union, uh, catering, association, Association whatever. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. a
1: group of, well, of hotel owners and restaurant owners, of course. All All doing very well, thank you. Yes, all doing very well Mm. indeed. Mm. Very well for themselves because they don't pay (coughs) bloody proper wages to their staff. And then they complain about, oh, we must cut penalty rates, we can't afford it. Well, they never paid them in the first place. Exactly. They didn't even pay the proper sort of hourly rate. They didn't pay anything like this. I don't know how they can be taken seriously. It's like me standing up and saying, look, and every tram driver, I'm telling you, as tram drivers, we are not going to stop at Amber Lights anymore. We will cont- No, I don't give what you say. And all tram drivers will the trams will stop running if we can't drive through red lights.
3: No, <laughs> oh, I never, I never got the analogy there between um, cooking fish and chips in a pub and drivers going for red lights.
1: What well, I meant was, if that's the same thing, isn't it? It means the same thing.
3: Exactly. Yeah, same. I'm just
1: making sort of a I comparison. Kn- I
3: know what you mean.
1: Oh bag man. No. You're
3: the person that travels around by tram and bus and whatever you. Uh, I'm a great bus. advocate for public I'm transport. No, oh
1: yes, I'm the bus person. Oh yeah. yes, I'm right yeah. onto that. I just find it incredibly rude. Do you find as most well. of
3: your fans on the bus? Yes. People who hear your dulcet tones. That's
1: true. I'm not talking about how true the expression dulcet is, but I thank <laughs> you for it, Bagman. But yes, I have had total strangers come up to me and they'll say, I know you.
3: Yeah. Or
1: else they just keep talking about, you know, you know, when the Bagman said last week, you know, when you said, and I go, Oh, yes, isn't he a cheeky bucker? I have to put up with it every week. And, and of course I don't know, but they think they know me because they've been listening to me in their kitchen over a, a cup of
3: Yes, that's right. You see,
1: so they feel, and that's what it's like, listen, and if you're in your kitchen having a cuppa, good on you. Or I'm in my, I'm not in my kitchen, but I'm having a cuppa.
3: Or if you're at the Elderly Citizens Club, as most, most of your listeners would you're be, You're a Susan. charmer. Anyway, criminal behaviour. Now, I want you to stay calm, right, don't get upset when I Read this story to you.
1: I'll I'll uh, put my cup of put your cup of tea herbal down herbal infusion down.
3: Have you had a smoke yet? No, have you I don't had a smoke. Drink of alcohol? No, I don't drink. Are you engaging in sex?
1: Sorry, what was that? we will oh, right. we'll skip that I, one. I,
3: I see in the in the paper that uh, apparently cheese sandwiches are good for your sex life. I don't. Who would know. have thought? I. <laughs> <laughs> Who would have thought? A melted cheese sandwich is good for your sex life.
1: Really, there'll be, be an upsurge in the sales of, you know, sort of bruschettas and stuff, and, and even pizza. There you go, there's a toasted cheese sandwich. What's it between a toasted cheese sandwich and a pizza?
3: Mm. I, had same a pizza thing. I had a pizza yesterday as a, in toaster a fam- famous restaurant in uh, Lycan Street. You used to get the um, window shot out. <laughs> so so you never took a front seat near the window. He's got a back seat. Anyway, that's another story for another time. But
1: but you've got something even more.
3: Criminal. Criminal. Absolutely. The federal. Criminal. Criminal. Whatever. The Federal Circuit Court has ordered a restaurant and its owner to pay $186,000 in wages withheld from a man who was trafficked from India under a sham 457 visa uh, arrangement and held in forced labour. Now, listen, Kate, listen, uh, take your earmuffs off, working 12 hours a day, seven days a week for 16 months. Now, apparently the judge found that Mr. Uh, Mister Trevidi had trafficked Mr. Ram from rural India to work at Mr. Trevidi's. I'm not going to tell you names Terrific. Mr Ram was functionally illiterate, spoke virtually no English and had no contacts in the Australian community. Mr Ram was held as a slave. He lived, ate, worked and slept in the re- in the restaurant kitchen. I wonder if he shat there also. With only one day off in 16 months. He was not paid. When the restaurant was visited by the Department of Immigration, it was fobbed Damn off with lies and fabricated com- uh, documents. Or locked in a cupboard. <laughs> That's right. Mr. Ram told officials exactly what Mr. Treviti had instructed him to, to say. The court found this to be unsurprising. Mr. Ram spoke no English. Um, was alone in the country and was under a trafficking debt and was afraid. Well, he was probably shaking like a dog shooting razor by thinking that he was about to uh, go back to India. Under anyway,
1: a trafficking debt.
3: Under Well, what what happens is that they recruit you from a place uh, like rural India. Yeah. They pay your ticket yeah. and you pay your accommodation even though you're living in the kitchen of this uh, this uh, yeah. pigsty. Um, and... Forever, you are continuing to pay off that, um, the, the, the price of the airline ticket, right? Really? Well, in this case, the guy wasn't even paid. He had one day off in 16 months, and guess what? The boss deducted the, uh, a day's pay from him.
1: Oh, a, and, and, he, and he lived, <clears throat> he slept, lived wor- and slept, his, his and ate and cooked in the kitchen. Like he would have been doing in his own. Very bad background from which you've tried to escape.
3: Exactly. That's exactly
1: what they would be doing. But, gee, it's a long time, I tell you what, Bagman, since we've had the staff sleep in the kitchen. Oh, back in the old days. Uh, where Where else would you put them? In the kitchen with the dog? In dogs. The kitchen, yeah. And, you know, well, it's warm by the fire, you know.
3: Well, I represent people that, uh, that their lunchroom was in the toilet. Well. And believe that, it or not.
1: Well, good. That means that they could wash their hands before and after their meals. Yeah. <laughs> It hey, that's perfect. Yeah. Yes, I'd, I do recall the place with you. With the staff right. had
3: to wasn't far from here either. The court found that the case was a grotesque abuse of the four five seven visa program, with Mr. Ram being trafficked to Australia for exploitation in breach of the Australian law. Now, someone. At the, uh, the immigration department is helping or assisting to carry out criminal activities because if people can be trafficked from a place like rural India on a 457 visa and in 16 months. Uh, they can be back paid one hundred and eighty-six thousand dollars in wages uh, for working twelve hours a day, seven days a week, and for sixteen months. That's criminal behaviour. Now, and I wonder will it actually will now some
1: department will some investigators actually look at other visas?
3: Why would they? They haven't up up to date. They've uh, completely ignored all the exploitation that has been exposed by the unions about people on 457 visas.
1: I just thought if they were trafficked, you see, that's a different thing.
3: Well, it may be. um, I'll I'll have to follow that case because he might
1: be up for trafficking. Yeah, because that's that's an offence to the government. Look, they'd rather just see workers be killed at work. Mm. They don't care. They don't care. But if someone tries to violate their, you know, stop the boats idiocy... (laughs) You know, if there's trafficking involved, that really gets up their nose.
3: Hmm. Well, if anybody's going to be deported uh, for falsifying their uh, visa requirements, it ought to be uh, Mr Trevi um, from that restaurant in Sydney who placed this person in slave-like conditions. Now, Absolutely now, impossible. Now, I don't
1: want to hear the name of the restaurant, but it is known, it has been put about sort of on the news and in print or whatever that the name of the restaurant? It, it, if so, just answer yes.
3: Well, uh, I'm not going to give the name of the restaurant. No, don't. It, no. It is uh, from a Sydney suburb. And it's known. Yeah, and it's known. And and the the uh, the employer has been found guilty. Oh, well. Uh, and has to pay a penalty, which probably won't be much because he'd been making a lot of money off yes, the poor obviously. bastard yeah. from uh, it was rural sleeping in India. the kitchen. But I tell you what, he's gone from... Um Lolly's chocolates, hasn't he? He gets uh, trafficked over here and he gets $186,000 for underpayment of wages and he goes back to rural India he'd be, like a, he'd be living like a prince, wouldn't he? Well, yes. He would, yeah. That's that's if he can get the $186,000 out, if, if out if of he the country. In, yeah, if, he decides, if the
1: boss... If he can get it in the first place
3: and then get it out, out right. of the country. The boss might bounce a cheque on him. Oh, yes. Oh, uh, bloody hell. Yeah, and that is happening everywhere, Susan. And you listen to these people that say that uh, penalty rates should be should be abolished. Yeah, well, go and stick your bum up, stick your head up your bum, because they're not being paid as it is. I tell you what, Susan, that's just disgusting. One hundred eighty-six thousand in sixteen months. Can you imagine that? And the food would not probably be any better anyway. No, Mm. no. Well, I, I have to cook. Wash his hands.
1: Yeah, well, I just, oh, well, I'm sure that he, he's lost every cu- customer he ever had, though. And now that's why he hasn't got the money to pay what he's been ordered to pay because no one's coming to his restaurant anymore. I suppose you'd think... I'm what-
3: pretty sure he would have, he, this bike wouldn't have the hole out of his, uh, you know, uh, uh, what do you call it? Pants. you got a hole in your pants, Yeah. He hasn't got the ass out of his pants, I'm fairly sure. If he can uh, uh, arrange to uh, bring a person from rural yes, India and well, underpay him, um, I reckon you'd be. You uh, wouldn't be travelling down that well known dusty road, would you? I just sort of thought, I had a thought that the people in Sydney
1: uh, would think, oh, I don't think I'll go to that restaurant.
3: No, I wouldn't either.
1: Not big... Well, some wouldn't go because they'd think, oh, what a terrible man, I can't go there. And others would think, well, I don't want to go there. I mean, who else have they got sleeping in in, in their kitchen now?
3: Well, that's right, yeah. Well, the toilet's probably booked up too, But people sleeping on the dunnies and whatever. And anyway, Susan, something close to the home. Something. That's, up this,
1: there. Is, this is four, five, seven volume. Four, five, seven. That's busy. what it's. That that's only one instance that's come to light. There are thousands. I, of I fully believe there are other people who've been trafficked like this. What a horrible description for human beings, right. and put under this lifelong debt. God knows, how many, how many four, five, seven people have been brought out here as sex workers?
3: Well, they've been trafficked also, yes, and... Uh, but they
1: run, yes, they've been trafficked out and under four, five, seven visas. Yeah.
3: Oh, I'm, I'm sure that there are thousands of them, Susan. There are probably many prosecutions that we could p- probably find out before the program next week. It's just... I'll uh, come up with some figures. It's
1: appalling, isn't it? It really, really is. Now, this see, is four, five, seven. That's, yeah. that's, it's a disgusting, foul thing anyway. Mm. That's why.
3: Anyway, guess Let's, who? Guess they, they said he was Labor to the bootstraps. Oh, he, yeah. And he used to have an office up near your joint. Guess who it would be? Because Federal Opposition Leader Bill Shorten has suggested former Labor Minister Mutton Ferguson. Mutton? Oh, what? Poor old Mutton. Merton Ferguson, should be expelled from the party oh. if he actively cooperated with the coalition during the New South Wales election campaign. Well, I agree. Now, senior Labor figures are furious with <coughs> Mr Ferguson for supporting the Liberal Party's plans to privatise the state's electricity network at the height of the campaign and publicly denouncing his own party stance. Now, Labor Senator... Sam Dastyari accused Mr. Ferguson of a bastard act, and the party, <laughs> a bastard act. And no, no, not, not, like, no, no, that's a like bastard a kick act. Of the guts, in it? Oh. A bastard act, and the and the party is now considering a motion to expel him. Now, Kevin Bracken from the MUA, yeah. I believe, uh, recently par- passed a motion at. It did not sound right. Pass the motion. You know what I mean. I know what you mean. Yeah, then the... he, he got on his feet and said, I want to pass oh, yeah. the motion. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm not sitting down and pass the motion. Yeah. <laughs> he uh, he uh, recently called for um, Mutton Ferguson's uh, expulsion from the Labor Party for actively campaigning uh, mate, against mate. the Labor Party. Well, but it makes you think, Susan, this bloke is described as Labor to the bootstraps. Well... Oh, my golly, that's stretching the bootstraps a little bit. <laughs> maybe, maybe, he has, maybe he has rubber um, lace-up shoes or something. Um, but the people of Batman, which is the federal electorate that he represented, continued, mm. continued uh, to support him because of Labor left factions. Now, the factions within the Labor Party, left, right, centre or whatever, is that uh, when your local branch decides that they're, they're going to go along uh, with uh, the branch stackers that uh, organise the numbers, then people don't have a choice. If they want to vote Labor, they have to vote for the person that the factions say um, or that the factions impose on you. So Martin Ferguson, everybody knows that he's no more Labor to the bootstraps than I am. I've am. i got a hole in me bum. Um But uh, it's shocking uh, that even the left would describe him as one of theirs. Well, he's in favour of mining, he's in favour of fracking, and he's in favour of everything else that uh, exploits the earth, and he says that he's a member, a proud member of the Australian Labor Party. Well, they're coming after you, mutton. They're coming after you and they'll get you because you're no more labor to the bootstraps than... Um whoever. Yeah.
1: Yes, well he we used to catch my train a bit.
3: He caught a train.
1: Yeah.
3: I I've got a friend. Don't tell too many people. I've got a friend that You got a friend? I've got a friend. I got all, a fri- all my yeah. All my friends have fit in a sidecar of a motorbike. Um but I've got a friend who thinks or thought that his real name was mutton. As in sheep. Yes. Mutton Ferguson. I had to tell her that, no, it's Martin or Marty Ferguson. Marty. Not Martin. Our mate Marty. Our mate Marty. Well, long time since you've been a mate of yours and mine, Susan, but... uh...
1: And I always, whenever whenever I think of the occasion that Marty, mutton, crosses my mind, I always think of killer. And killer always referred
3: to... Killer Kane. Killer Kane. Yeah, good old killer. There's, yeah. a, there's a great band gone too early. Yes, far too early. Mm. Good on you, Killer. So, what did Killer used to say about killer, Mutton?
1: Killer all, all, always called Mutton Clarence
3: for oh, the Cross Eyed Lion. Clarence the Cross Eyed Lion. Oh, my God. You right there, Bagman? Yeah, no, I just, got a, uh, I just got a message from a caller uh, that says if you want to expel. Labor, from the Labor Party, Mutton Ferguson, make it a double and expel Bob Hawke as well. Good on you, caller. Um, sorry, sorry. Yeah. Is
1: Bob Hawke still in the party?
3: Oh well, yes, he was. Be. he He'd been in the party. He's not in the Parliament, He's but is he still the in the party? Oh, he would have life membership. Don't don't forget that uh, he led the um, the famous strike against the pilots. Uh, back in the eighties, yeah, yes, that's and brought in a... scab labour from all over the world, and brought in defence forces. That's right, yeah, yeah. yeah. Doesn't happen often. Good old Bob.
1: Yes, and my first Bob, you ex- know. and my first experience with, with Bob was was with an equal pay case. Yeah, yeah. He was um, the lawyer. He was bloody good too. Was he? Yeah, he was bloody good. This this was sort of before he appeared um, in politics. He was a good lawyer
3: was he I yeah. thought he just went on to be secretary of the a c t u or something yeah, but this was prior to it prior say. to it yeah was he a lawyer? Yes, and a mm. damn good one ah.
1: I fought the law, and the lawyers won. you know that, don't you? well, I know now, Bagman as does the rest of um of Melbourne it said listen, i just saw I saw something quite disturbing, disturbing the other day I didn't realize this, but it's been pointed out to me that. There are at least 75 millionaires living in Australia right now and they pay much, 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 much less tax than you do. In fact, they don't pay any tax at all.
3: Well, Kerry Packer was the famous one that said uh, if, you, if you don't minimise your tax as much as possible, you need to have your head red." I always thought that meant... Having your hair painted red. I Is don't know. Right? I don't know. You having your head red. Someone looking inside of your head. Go mm. on. But apparently, just the last
1: couple of years, there are 75 Australians, a little bit over, over. Anyway, 75 of them made more than $1 million that year, and they spent half of it on aggressive tax.
3: Are you sure avoidance? you got your figures right? You said uh, seventy-five of them earned over a million dollars. Only seventy-five.
1: There are up uh, there. Are, I'm only talking about seventy-five people. Oh, right. male or female, whatever. Oh, I'm I see. sorry. Sorry, they're not millionaires; they're billionaires. Yeah, oh, that's
3: better.
1: There are seventy-five of them, and they don't pay yeah. tax.
3: I don't know any millionaires. The they only don't, people
1: I want to know are uh, billionaires. billionaires, but they don't pay tax, don't they? No, and there they could be a lot more than Who are them are they? too. Well, be nice. Well look Give us look, their name. Well look, I'd like their address and a and handy roof plan, that'd suit me. I tell you what.
3: So no name. No, they no distress no me. Oh.
1: No, there's uh you'll read about it on the get up. Twee forest web- would be one. Website. Oh and probably Mount Gina, I'd say. That's right,
3: Mount Gina. Oh no because no You shouldn't be rude to Gina We pay her that. tax, don't yeah. we? Yes, that's
1: right. Because we and we pay all those welfare payments mm. to her that that she needs, that she needs the, the 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 poor thing, and I must say I was also distressed to notice once again a problem I saw with the Greens. When I say they you aren't, don't like they the aren't. Greens, do I you? say they aren't like a party. They're like a bunch of independents. They're like really? a bunch of anarchists at times, really, because you don't know. I don't mind you, you don't know who you're going to get. It, you know. Well, you no, know it is. I mean, look what they the, what the Greens said in Townsville on. Wednesday. But they do. Well, they said there was a medical conspiracy to hide the fact that children were dying from vaccinations. Oh really? Yes. And I thought the Greens was a science based party. But you see, that's what my problems I've had with them before and I've said that they don't all speak in the one voice. They they speak in tongues. They they speak speak in tongues. They speak with a fork tongue. A forked tongue. Anyway. I, I used to wonder what that meant when I was a kid. I used to run around with the fork in my mouth. Luckily, I, I never fell.
3: When you are playing and Cowboys and Itchy Bums.
1: Yes, that's
3: yeah. it. <laughs> well, uh, the has gone 9.58, Susan, depending go- on the clock Whatever it is. Uh, that you look at uh, in the 3CR studio. So why don't we go out in the same old way? Why not? Dare to struggle. Dare to win. You don't fight? You lose. Good morning from left after breakfast.